Hear now a reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you keep up with the world of business, you know that several major car companies are building electric vehicles including Tesla, Chevy, Nissan, Porsche, Audi, and Volkswagen. Now, I don't know much about the new technology, but I do know that these cars are better for the environment and save people lots of money on gas. I also know that they don't work <laughs> unless they're charged up. I was watching Judge Judy the other day 
one of my guilty pleasures that don't judge. And, uh, and I heard a case in which a man rented a Tesla from a private owner while traveling. In some places, rental cars have become extremely expensive. So to make a little extra money, ordinary people like you and me rent their cars out to people traveling in the area. Just as you use the Airbnb app on your phone to rent someone else's house, you can use apps like Turo to rent someone else's car. In the case I was watching, the owner of the car didn't give the renter the necessary equipment to charge it. When the battery ran dead, the car door wouldn't even open. So the renter just had to walk away, <laughs> abandoning this very expensive Tesla. As awesome as they may be, electric vehicles will not run without a charge. Furthermore, as various car companies make their new models, there is no universally accepted place to put the charging ports. So they are all over the cars. When you go to a gas station to fill up your gas-powered car, you can be pretty sure that you will pump gas into the tank from the side of the car near the rear. But where do you put the charger into your electric car? It could be in the front or the back or one of the sides, depending on the car. This is why the car maker Hyundai recently developed a universal charging station that could service any brand of electric car. It's called the Hyundai High Charger, and you'll never guess what inspired its design. Self-serve car washes that mount a sprayer on a movable base so that you can get to all the areas of your car. The Hyundai High Charger follows the same idea. There's a glowing halo that rotates overhead and drops the charging cable in just the right spot. Again, it's a universal charger for electric cars. Going back to our scripture reading this morning, the book of Acts tells us that there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Luke says that there were Parthenians. Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. There were way more types of people living in Jerusalem than brands of electric cars on the market today. If we want to understand our scripture reading from Acts 2 this morning, it's important to note that the first followers of Jesus were a homogenous group. They were Jews from the region of Galilee. Furthermore, most were simple, uneducated people who all spoke the same language, Aramaic. In contrast, the city of Jerusalem was extremely diverse. It was home to many different kinds of people who spoke different languages. If God had not intervened in some way to help these simple Jewish people communicate the gospel 
and the various languages of those living in the city, then the Jesus movement would have remained a small sect of Judaism. But God was up to something much bigger. It says in Acts 2.1 that the followers of Jesus were all together in one place, celebrating the Jewish Feast of Weeks, which focuses on God's gift of the law to the Israelites. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. God's purpose, as we saw last Sunday, was to fill them with power so they could continue the work and mission of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came with the rush of a violent wind, like the wind from God that swept over the face of the waters on the very first day of creation. The Spirit danced with divided tongues as a fire, like the burning bush that revealed God to Moses, a bush that was blazing, yet it was not consumed. The Galilean disciples began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability, making it possible for them to communicate with devout Jews and eventually Gentiles from every nation. Following our opening illustration, we might say that the Holy Spirit was a universal charger. What I want to suggest this morning is that this same Spirit is available to us today and it is charging us in the same way that it charged the first followers of Jesus so that we can be the hands, feet, and heart of Jesus in this world, following where he continues to lead and serving his mission. But to do this, we must receive what the Spirit has to offer and be willing to share it with others. Let's look more closely at our scripture reading to unpack some of this. First, the Spirit is a creative force in our lives, just as the wind of God was a creative power in the making of the heavens and the earth. In Acts, the Spirit creates the Christian community, which is why Pentecost is sometimes called the birthday of the church. Notice that God's Spirit is poured out on a group of believers. In this passage, the Holy Spirit is not a personal gift from God that each believer privatizes, but is given to a group of believers, a community of Jesus' followers. This point is important in a context where we tend to think of Christian faith almost exclusively in personal and private terms. For example, some Christian groups in the United States so emphasize the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus that they eclipse how faith should also shape our life together, including our public and political life. They focus so much on personal morality that they eclipse larger concerns about social justice. 
My purpose here is not to create a false dichotomy. As a pastor, I think it's important for people to make a personal decision to follow Jesus and to stay close to Him daily through the various spiritual disciplines. Approaching our faith with this kind of intentionality is required to experience any deep and lasting change. I also think that personal morality is important for those who are trying to be like Jesus and serve His mission in the world. But faith is not simply a personal thing that narrowly operates within the private sphere of life. Indeed, you cannot fully become the person God created you to be by yourself. We sometimes say that Christianity is not a spectator sport. And I would add that it's not an individual sport either. We need each other. We need Christian community, Christian friends, in order to be faithful followers of Jesus. Furthermore, Jesus doesn't just want to transform your personal life. Jesus also wants to transform your relationships and the various groups and communities of which you are a part. In fact, Jesus didn't just come to save you or a bunch of individuals. Jesus came to save the whole world and intends to transform every aspect of creation. And it's the importance of the communal dimension of faith that our scripture reading this morning highlights. When God sends the Holy Spirit into the upper room, God sends the Spirit on a group of Jesus followers and creates a community of faith. I want to say that again. The Spirit doesn't just create new people that think and act like Jesus. The Spirit also creates new communities that together think and act like Jesus. One of our challenges as followers of Jesus is to be simultaneously both one and many. We are one insofar as we are called as individuals to make a decision to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord and to surrender our lives and our wills over to God's loving care, praying daily, not my will, but yours be done. We are called to commit ourselves to certain personal spiritual disciplines such as prayer. But we are also many insofar as we find our true identity and are conformed to the image of Christ in Christian community. This is why we are launching new small groups here at First UMC and encouraging every member to be part of one of these groups because we need each other to become like Jesus. Furthermore, we are called into the unity of one spirit under one baptism in service to one Lord as one body, a unity that is created around the values of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. The Holy Spirit uses these two things to unite us despite all of our other differences. It is the gift of unity in diversity which is so important given our increasingly tribalistic and divisive context. The next thing that we see in our story is how the Spirit reveals that God is with us. Just as 
the fire of the burning bush told Moses that God was present in his life. On Pentecost, divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. This fire was impossible to ignore, and it brilliantly showed that the power of God was with them. Using fire as a symbol of God's presence is nothing new in Holy Scripture. When God liberated His people from captivity in Egypt, the Lord went in front of them in a pillar of fire. Then the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. When the prophets Elijah and Elijah were walking along, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. The prophet Isaiah promised that the Lord will come in fire and his chariots like the whirlwind. And in a vision in the book of Revelation, John says that the eyes of Christ will be like a flame of fire. What do all these blazing sights have in common? They are signs of the presence and power of God. Again and again, God comes into the middle of human life and appears to us. Sometimes these appearances are brilliant, like tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes they are more subtle, like the squeeze of a hand, an encouraging word, an expression of forgiveness, or a statement of love. But whether God comes in blazing fire or in warm words, God is present and powerful. The promise of Pentecost is that God continues to be with us. God is always with us, and this is true for all Christians, not just those labeled Pentecostal or charismatic. It echoes the promise made when Jesus was given the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is our universal charger, giving us the healing and help we need in every time, place, and situation. Finally, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to communicate with people of every race and culture, just as it enabled the first followers of Jesus to connect with all different kinds of people in the city of Jerusalem. The Apostle Peter quickly discovered that the gift of the Spirit was not a private gift to him. It was given to him so that he could share God's deeds of power with others. Taking a bold stand, Peter announced to the people of Jerusalem, In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Yes, the Spirit was coming to fill not just Peter and the other followers of Jesus, but a diverse group of sons and daughters, young men and old men, and even men and women who were slaves. All the cultural barriers that had previously existed were breaking down. And now, said Peter, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, the Holy Spirit is in the business of tearing down walls 
and breaking down barriers so that all may come to know God's love and justice. And if we want to be part of what God is already doing, then we must resist our sinful impulses to divide and conquer, to separate and segregate, to marginalize and exclude. In contrast, we must risk reaching out to those who are different and embracing those labeled other. We must cross borders and transgress boundaries to bring the good news of God's love to anyone willing to listen. And we must be willing to learn new ways to communicate, ways that people in a changing world can hear. This may involve learning a new language or teaching English as a second language. It may require us to open our doors to a new immigrant fellowship looking for a place to host worship services. It might mean leaving the church parking lot and engaging people on the beach. It may require us to expand our online ministries to reach more people around the world. So often we are content to hold worship services for ourselves and pitch our groups and classes to people who already attend our church most Sundays. But the book of Acts challenges us to be a universal charger, connecting us with people who are unlike ourselves and commanding us to serve as the hands and feet of Jesus. In conclusion, the Holy Spirit remains a creative force in the world, one that is continuing to form us in Christian community. The flame of God's presence is always with us, working powerfully in our lives. And the Spirit pushes us to reach outward to every race and nationality, sharing the good news of God's love and justice. This is how the Holy Spirit fills us with the power of God to continue the work of Jesus. The question for us today is, are we open to receiving it? Amen.